It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hello, rose friends. Today, I'm excited to welcome award-winning rosarian Danielle Hahn of Rose Story Farm, where she and her family are growing 30,000 or so roses for the cut flower trade. And in her spare time, she's written a book, The Color of Roses. And today we want to chat about the farm, the flowers, and this beautiful new book. So let's get started. Hey, Danielle, welcome to Rose Chat. Oh, hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to have you. Now, Danielle, we first met via the podcast when you were the Great Rosarian of the World honoree back in 2014. You know, I was quite taken with you and the fact that you had a rose farm. I hadn't heard of a family rose farm before of this size. I mean, you were the first of a kind, at least for me. You pretty you were you were first for me. I'm yeah. I'm not sure if we were the very first, um, but we were certainly one of the first to do um, the English style roses, the fully petaled, the sort of European and older roses. I know Ray Riddell had a wonderful uh, business green I think Gar- Garden Valley Garden Valley was his business and he sold um, hybrid teas to the trade cut hybrid tea, tea, teas to the trade and um, he was he's in Petaluma and it was he did a he did a great job um, but we felt like we there was room to do you know to do a different kind of rose something that I was more interested in mm-hmm. you know fragrant uh, voluptuous sort of romantic uh, roses and it was just we just needed to figure out how we would be able to ship those um, and it's like shipping you know crystal glassware <laughs> it's it's probably equally difficult to make sure that you know because the the more fragrant the rose the harder it it is to ship because the thinner the petals. So you've got this really delicate product that you're shipping and um, with a very, very limited base life. So it was quite um, an education for us to learn how to, to do that. We're still learning, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, the seasonal aspect of it and those sorts of things and feast and famine of, of the garden. So you're in California and you, so you have a long season and that certainly helps. So tell us a little bit about the farm, how it got started. So we bought, um, we bought the farm um, in 1990. It was run down piece of property. I don't think it had been lived in or, you know, tended to in probably the 40 years. So what we got was, you know, several old buildings and and then old, old avocado trees and lemon trees that were on their last legs. And with that, we had, you know, irrigation and electricity and gas and that sort of thing that was also, you know, 40, 50 years that hadn't been tended. So we really got a, a piece of bare land, basically, that we had to start over with. And just slowly fell in love with it and wanted to grow something um, that would sort of enhance the property and make it a more beautiful place to live. And my husband was a farmer, had grown up with a fam in a family that farmed in central Washington. So, and that that's tough farming. I'm telling you that's, I mean, it's cold and it's windy and it's, you know, hot in the summer and dusty and, they started out, his father started out farming with horses. They didn't have any machinery, any tractors or anything. And and they had no running water and they had no electricity. Now that's farming for you. I mean, that's what we had here was California, you know, 12 months of perfect weather and you could grow <laughs> just about anything. So he wanted to grow food. And I, um, I was a city girl. I was just like, you know, I, I don't mind growing something, but let's grow something pretty. So we, you know, we both had 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 grandparents that were Rosarians and we had 
you know, that was an interest of ours that was a mutual interest. And so we thought about it and thought, I wonder if we can do this. And, you know, our the soil here is so beautiful. We really literally could grow anything. So we started just uh, growing um, roses here for ourselves, for our for our home garden. And then, you know, people would come along and say, gosh, those are so pretty. And then I had one florist friend who used to sort of come out and, and kind of cherry pick through our roses <laughs> for his own um, arrangements. And I thought maybe we're on to something. So that's kind of how we started. We started, uh, I thought, okay, we'll do this. We'll pick a thousand. Uh, we'll do a thousand to start. We'll do 200 <laughs> of each of five varieties. And, um, Teresa, I went through, I poured through the rose catalogs and I came up with five that I thought would be good for florists. And um, of those five, two of them were single bloomers. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to that. I just thought, well, that looks like a nice color. Um, and they bloomed once in the spring and then never again. And then um, two of them were just terrible performers for California. I mean, just for probably for anybody. And so we literally, out of the five we started with, we have one of those five varieties that we still grow. It was a steep learning curve, and we, uh, we, you know, we quickly sort of figured out that you there are no fast or, or um, mechanical ways to do this. We do it just like everyone else does in their home <laughs> gardens. Um, we just maybe do it a little bit more efficiently now and a little bit more economically, but we still do everything by hand and we still, you know, I, I, I know some of the big farms will use um, hedge clippers and that sort of thing to prune their plants. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't believe in that. We do literally everything by hand. We, we take the thorns off by hand. We, you know, obviously pick by hand, uh, we prune completely by hand. And um, yeah, and here we are now, I think we probably have 40,000 rose plants, uh, we change out probably one to 5000 per year, depending on the styles, and then plant health. Right now, you know, this is our 25th anniversary year, My which is goodness. I know, isn't that amazing? It yeah. feels like it was yesterday. It really does. But in those 25 years, you know, styles change. And mm -hmm. we are now finding that some of the hybrid teas and floribundas that we planted originally just aren't doing as well as they might. Mm -hmm. um, so we're changing, you know, some of them we're replacing with the same varieties. And some of them we're, we're sort of changing over to some uh, newer hybridized varieties. Oh, the hybridizers are coming up with so many great roses. I mean, every year I get so excited just to see what's coming out. I mean, we really have some great choices. Isn't it amazing? And, you know, um, one of the things that I felt was important um, when writing my book was to make sure that the um, initial year of introduction was included for each plant. Because I think in the last five to 10 years, I mean, our our roses here in this country are pretty much bulletproof if you pick yeah. a new one they really are and yesterday I was up at I was up in Wasco and that's where they grow um, most of the uh, roses for you know for everyone in the country mm -hmm. and I was talking to them and I was talking to Christian Bedard who's the hybridizer for mm -hmm. Weeks Roses and his his whole section they don't spray anything they spray I mean, absolutely nothing. They want to see how these roses do with absolutely no care whatsoever. And then that's sort of a trial. And then they send them around to the country. And he claims that Tennessee is the hardest place in the country to grow roses. So if they pass muster in Tennessee, then they pretty <laughs> much will make the cut um, for their roses. But as he said, they want to have a rose that is that literally you can plant in your yard that will not, you know, you don't need to spray. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're all, we're all rooting for them. I tell you, we, we are all rooting for them. That's yeah. what we want too. you know, yeah. um, the least fuss, um, but we still want beauty. We still want fragrance and, and nothing is no care. And, and we know that. So um, we just love what they're doing. We, we, we love that they're taking such care with the roses. So, 
you know, we're going to have those stronger, healthier roses for our backyards. Right. Do you have any uh, new ones this year in your garden? Uh, well, one that, that is going to spring to mind since you said that, I have one that I trialed last year, and it's a proven winner's reminiscent pink. And to tell you a little background, we had a very strange winter. It wasn't very cold, but then we had some really cold snaps, and the roses weren't, weren't really ready for that. So many of my roses had to be cut back to the ground, and I lost my big climbers uh, up high. And I also had some deer damage and all of that boring stuff that roses have sometimes. But getting back to Reminiscent Pink, she didn't sustain any damage. She is just a nice little shrub that right now, probably this one little lone shrub probably has 120 buds. Oh, Lord. And when you see the picture of Reminiscent Pink, you will love it. It looks like a, a David Austin. It is very full-petaled pink, has fragrance. Um, the, the blooms that I got last year were lovely. Never dreamed second year she was going to do this. So I can't wait. I'll, I'll send you a picture. So that oh, one comes you. to mind. That one comes to mind um, of, of one that's just really to, to keep an eye on. One of the ones that I'm quite impressed with is Uptown Girl. Um, and that's a Tom Carruth. That's one of his uh, mm-hmm. final roses that he's, he still has a few that are coming down the, um, down the pike. Um, he, you know, he's now at the Huntington, but he was mm-hmm. um, at Weeks before Christian. And he still has a few roses that are, um, you know, that we're, we're still sort of in the works and Uptown Girl is really beautiful. And I'll tell you that one is bulletproof as well. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's kind of a deep um, salmony pink, almost, you know, almost as dark as hot cocoa in some, like in parts, but it is fragrant and the foliage is just perfect. So that's one I'm excited about. Um, as well. Um, That one, of course, isn't in the book because it's a 2023 (laughs) introduction. I mean, I think you could, I could uh, edit the book yearly and add some of these new roses. (laughs) Oh, of course you could. And I'm so glad you included date. You know, I, I tell listeners all the time, even when you go to YouTube and you're doing your research, always check the date because so much has changed. Like if you're looking for some, you've got Rose Rosette and you're, you're looking for information, all of that has changed through the years. So, you know, it's great to do research and there's great YouTube videos and that sort of thing, but we want to know when because things are changing all of the time. And like the newer roses, you're so right. You know, you're just going to have better luck as far as a little care um, with the newer varieties. The others yeah. are just gorgeous. And, um, and you know, I miss, I don't have a lot of hybrid teas in my garden anymore. But, you know, I miss them because they are so beautiful. But, um, but th- that date is really important. It is. So the five things, you know, I was very limited as to what um, the, I mean, one of the things I I really, you know, my whole thing for 25 or 30 years has been to try to demystify rose growing for, you know, home gardeners so that more people will attempt to grow them. Now, you know, you can make it as complicated as you want, but it can also be a very simple and satisfying pastime. And I want to make sure that everybody that, you know, finds joy in the rose can actually, you know, try to do it and be successful doing it. So part of the reason I really wanted to make sure that the book, that the the roses we featured in the book were roses that people could readily find either as plants or as cut flowers. And um, I wanted to include um, what I felt were the most pertinent um, uh, facts about each flower. So I felt like it was important to have the date. Um, it's mm-hmm. also important to have the hybridizer because, you know, certain characteristics run run through certain hybridizers roses I mean you can I mean you we can we could walk through the field yesterday and I could smell you know Christian's roses I mean they just (laughs) they have they have the same you know some of the same genetic um 
compositions. And, and same with uh, David Austin's, same with the Cordis roses. Um, there, it, there are fragrances that run through each breeder. They're characteristics. I mean, all of David Austin's are shrubs. So that's, that's kind of fun. So it felt like the hybridizer was critical. And also to give them credit, of course, um, I felt it was important to include who had, who had hybridized the rose. And then I wanted to make sure that we had uh, plant size and bloom size. And bloom size really for, um, for both the home gardener and for the flower arranger. Because we all know that if you use a huge bloom on, on a dinner table, it's, you got, maybe you can use one flower, but you can't use a whole bouquet of huge flowers on the dinner table. But on the same token, for a climbing rose, you want to know the size of the bloom so that you have a structure that can support it. So that was important to me. And plant size, obviously, so that you know where to place the plant in your garden. And then the fifth thing was fragrance. And we, I, I sort of went to the mat with the with the publisher on this one because they felt that fragrance wasn't that important because it's a book and you can't smell the roses. But I have had people tell me now that they've gone through the book and marked all the ones that say strong fragrance. And I actually personally made those judgment calls. Um, so they may be right. They may not, they may be wrong, but they're, but they are my interpretation of how fragrant the rose is. I felt it was important. They wanted to include zone. And I thought, well, you know, zone is something you can kind of, I mean, if you, everybody should know their zone and if they don't, they can look it up. Um, I just didn't feel it was, if I only had five things to include, I didn't feel that zone was that big of a deal. That may come back and pester me in the long run. But um, for me, I just felt like that information is readily available on the internet. um, And that, you know, roses can be grown just about anywhere that roses grow. Uh, So I didn't feel it was as important as fragrance and you know, we're all about fragrance. So We are, we are, you know, and um, one of the things I want to say <clears throat> about the book in general, um, one of my favorite books um, on roses is an old book. It was written in 1942 and it's Francis E. Lester's book, My Friend the Rose. I don't know if you've read that book, but no. someone said of that a book that if you are not a rose lover now, you will be after reading this book. And, you know, I would say the same thing about your book. One of the things I loved best about it, and I love everything about it, but your love of roses is evident and it's contagious all the way through the book, just the way the roses are represented, you know, and I know you have a history with roses. You have a deep love from a child and, but it's just evident there. And I applaud you for, you know, you are opening the door to so many people with these beautiful pictures, but the heart of the rose is there. And I love that. Thank you, Teresa. And, you know, one of another thing that was really important to me, um, we did not retouch the photos. So there, the photos are the photos of the rose. And if you find that you see a leaf that has holes in it, or a petal that's brown, or, uh, you know, a, something that should have been deadheaded, that's fine. I, I mean, I found it very frustrating when we first started growing roses to look at these beautiful photographs and then go out in my garden and my roses just didn't look the same. And I wanted people to really know that it was okay to have roses that are not perfect. Um, and I was, it re- recently came to my attention that wabi-sabi, it's a Japanese term for a living sort of for, for, perfect imperfection and I'm not exactly sure of the description but when I read the description I was like yes this is this is it's a term for you know for for the nature that not everything is perfect and that we still need to enjoy we we need to enjoy our roses and our garden because of its imperfections it's okay. I mean, because if we only see the weeds, we're never going to enjoy the garden. Oh, the um, weeds are so always going to be there. They are always going to be there. 
Um, one of the things you actually say in the book that stood out to me is that perfection has no place in the garden. And isn't that true? I couldn't agree more. But we all are affected, whether we want to be or not, by the things we see on social media. And those come with filters oftentimes. <laughs> yes, they do. And I mean, I I feel like I, I'm just, I'm entering my eighth decade, Teresa. I mean, I just had a birthday and I was like, okay. So it's it's about time to just sort of accept those few extra pounds and accept those few <laughs> extra wrinkles and realize that, you know, it, it it's not going it, to, those things that we all want to attain may not be perfect, may not be possible. And it's, it's the same in the garden. You know, sometimes things are such a surprise and you're just like, how did that happen? It just is so beautiful. And then other times you just walk out there and you think, gosh, you know, my guard really needs some work. But even when you see that, you can find something that gives you pleasure, um, which is, I think, really important for people to, to just sort of relax and understand that not everybody is going to have a perfect garden. They just aren't. And the stuff that you see on social media makes it really tough. Flower arranging, um, weddings, um, fashion, you see these things and and I know with with we have our our brides come to us with um requests and sometimes the requests are just not they're just they've it's something they've seen and I just know it's not possible to recreate what they've seen and it's it's very difficult to you know it it's hard to say no but it's also I just feel like part of my thing is educating and making sure that everybody understands that beauty can be, um, you know, beauty can be found in imperfection as well. So. Well, one of the, I wanted to actually quote the book. Um, I think it was page 13. Another place where you give people permission to make a garden their own. And I think sometimes, you know, when you get hung up, like, Oh, you see the picture and da, 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 da. But you say nothing is permanent in nature. So don't be afraid to experiment with different colors and patterns. And if you're not satisfied with the results, move things around and try again, make it your own. And that can be true of a flower arrangement, but it can also be true of the garden. And people, you know, people are so afraid to do some, I mean, I, I am the same way. I'm afraid to take out a rose that's not performing. I think, well, maybe I didn't do something the right way. Maybe, there, maybe if I just treated it, a di- maybe if I used a different fertilizer, maybe I, maybe if I just trim back that tree a little bit, maybe it'll be okay. But the point is we don't have all the time in the world here. And if yes. something is not performing for you, I say, you know, move it or give it away or toss it. And start with something else because we all have limited space. I mean, nobody, none none of us have unlimited space or very few of us have unlimited space. So, you know, each, each little spot in your garden is, is precious and you want to make sure that you have something that's enjoyable and, you know, and also not be afraid to um, change things around. Fashions change, gardens change. So they sure do. They sure do. Speaking of fashion, what colors are are trending these days? Well, I'd love to say that the beige and the neutrals are going away, but sadly, they are not. Um, <laughs> I, I think they are as strong as ever. And I've been saying this now for probably five to seven years, uh, certainly since before um, COVID. And certainly since before, I I measure things by the Thomas fire and our mud flows and the neutral colors were popular before those two events. And that was five or six years ago. And they're still going strong. Now, we thought we thought yellow was coming along um, towards the end of last year. But I'm not seeing that this year. I'm seeing pinks. I'm seeing, you know, lots of pink and green. I'm seeing I'm still seeing whites and green and then the neutrals, the neutral, neutral, <laughs> you know, and I think it changes as we get into the fall. People are interested in the berry tones, but I don't think roses like Coco Loco and Honey Dijon and Distant Drums, they're not going anywhere. They're here to stay. Um, 
And they are beautiful. They are beautiful. I, right now, um, our season is just beginning here in Indiana. And so let's see old roses. And I've just got a, you know, color all over the old rose garden. It's in the very back of my yard and the fragrance, but there's bold colors and there's light pinks and, oh my goodness, Um, wish we could have them all season long, but we'll just only get them for a while, but it's worth it. It is, isn't it? And I think, um, you know, we try to, for for interiors um, and for wedding work and that sort of thing, we try to pick um, colors that have a little sepia tone to them. They're a little dirty, I like to say. They're not really the pure tones. Pure tones work okay in garden settings, but it's very hard to bring those pure tones into your home and have them go with all in all, you know, all decor. And it's the same with weddings. You know, a lot of brides, the neutrals are safe. They really are safe because they go with everything. And then you can pick out one or two colors that might appeal to you. Um, but again, those colors like the lavenders, you can find the lavender roses that have a little sepia tone to them. And the yellows, the same thing. They're a little dirtier than the lemon yellows. Um, if you know, if you kind of know, if you know what I'm sort of saying. And the same with the pink tones, um, you know, pinks that have more of a salmon-y tone are easier to work with than the ones that have the lavender tone. Um, so that's kind of something I've gotten interested in um, more recently. Do you grow Vanessa Bell? This sort of a soft yellow. We I, do. We do. I love it. I had to add another one. It's just so pretty. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. And then the there's a rose. Um, we I've just I'm just starting to to. Um, custom grow more of them but it's Florence de Latre. it's an old French rose and it's a lavender that has like a a lot of the sepia tone um and it is gorgeous it's a pale lavender and uh, look it up it's got a beautiful little um a little tiny bloom and we are now we couldn't find them for years and now we, we we're starting we're we're able to to get to find a few more plants. So that one I do love. Um Vanessa's same thing. She's it's a soft yellow and it really mm-hmm. goes with a lot of interiors. So that's a fun rose for for, for gardeners that want to bring their flowers in the house. It sure is. Um I've each year I designate um something as the year of and a few years ago, it was the year shrubs. I wanted more shrubs to complement the roses, you know, add some structure to the garden. So this year, it's been the year of yellow. I am not, you know, a big yellow person, but I'm, you know, Vanessa Bell has been in the garden now three years. So she's kind of changing my mind. And so every time I go look for plants, I'm looking at things that would go well with Vanessa yeah. and colors that will complement Vanessa. And the other thing I've been looking for this year is um, I, I had Poseidon. I had a few of them and lost them and just loved that soft color and haven't been able to find a Poseidon to purchase. And so I was looking for something else and I bought Plum Perfect. I bought three Plum Perfects. So we'll see. It might be a little oh, you're, you're gonna bright, love but I'm it. looking. F- I bought three of them. So we'll see. No, you're going to love it. It is a beautiful rose. Again, it's it's got some it's got some variation of tone and I think it's it's really handsome. I think you're going to love that. And it it's going to be really great with the Vanessa Bell. I love lavender with yellow. I think that's such a pretty combination. Well, so. in this garden I put uh there's the Vanessa, there's Plum Perfect and there's Earth Angel. So those are oh, the primary the, the rooms in this bed. So we'll see. I think it's going to be pretty, but we'll see. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful combo. Really beautiful. Um yeah. The other thing with the book, I was going to say the other thing we did, which I didn't explain in the book, but I will tell um I'll tell you, it is, um, we photographed, we color corrected all the blooms. It was shot over a period of about six months. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as roses sort of, as you go into the fall, the colors deepen and, you know, as seasonally roses do change depending on the weather and Mm -hmm. your soil conditions and so on and so forth. But we wanted to make sure that the book was, was 
consistent for one particular time period. So we, I did sort of middle spring, kind of early summer. So if you have a hot cocoa, you know that it's been photographed at the same time as the peace rose. It's not oh. hot cocoa in the fall and peace in the spring. So hopefully it's a consistent enough book so that if you, you know, as you look through it, you say, okay, well, that is the true color of that rose. I mean, people hopefully will be able to take it to their nursery and, and, you know, color match, um, color match the roses. If they can't find a particular rose, they'll be able to find one that's very similar by looking at the book at the particular, you know, at the rose that they had wanted. So that was important to me as well to not have a mishmash of some fall color, some spring color, and that sort of thing. Oh, that's so good to know. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is true. I mean, the spring garden and the summer garden and the fall garden here are very different. They are. It's um, it's so it's fascinating to me to see the color change, particularly in a rose like Coco Loco. So. Um, my friend Felicia up at Menagerie um, is in Northern California. Her cocos look completely different than mine. I mean, she'll have a lot of mauve in hers when we have beige, and then we'll have the mauve when she has the beige. It's it's really interesting to see how different you know zones also change the color of a rose depending on the season. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fun. So if you know that that all the roses were photographed sort of in central California in sort of mid spring, then hopefully that that is a helpful hint. It is. It certainly is. And the other thing that you included that I was very glad you included were the uh, the breeders, because I know if I see Cordis, I know it's going to be good in our winters when we do have a hard winter. And so I'm always looking at those roses. You know, there is going to be fragrance. And I just know that those particular roses are good in my garden. So when people see the different ones, they're going to, you know, be attached to those. And so I'm glad that you included that. Yes. And, you know, also his roses are very good in the vase. They have a longer vase life than typically some of the others. Um, I think his the petal thickness he has thicker there you know we you know we all hopefully know that um fragrance pores are in the petals, so the thinner the petal, the more fragrant the rose and obviously at, and and the less time that it will spend in the vase, so the thinner the petal, the more delicate the flower, the less time in the vase, so his petals tend tend to be a little bit thicker. And a little, and the rose tends to be a little bit more durable, which makes mm-hmm. sense for you. And um, you know, as a result, we tend to get another day or two in the vase that we mm-hmm. don't wouldn't get with, say, something like Ambridge Rose from David Austin, or I'm trying to think of another thin petaled rose um, that right now. But Ambridge comes to mind. Um, it's so soft. Or Wollerton Hall, um, mm-hmm. Old Hall that rose has a minute in the vase, um, made no longer than a minute. Um, so, so it's fun to know like which breeders, um, roses last longer as cup flowers as well. You're making me think of a rose I saw this morning. That's just beginning to open at Celsiana Damask and the petals are so fragrant, but they're so paper thin. Uh, this, the sun was shining on some of the petals is like going through the petals, but but it's so beautiful. But um, yeah, that Celsiana yeah, is just. Second. Yeah, one second yes. in the vase. I know. Yes. I have people call all the time and they go, you know, my roses only lasted a day and I don't know what I did wrong. And I was like, you didn't really do anything wrong. I think I just think it's been it's been very difficult um, for us who we've been told for all these years that flowers needed to last eight or 10 days in the vase, 1-800-Flowers bless their heart (laughs) flowers for 10 days. I mean, whether it's an iris or, I mean, obviously don't sell iris because they won't last 10 days. But, but, you know, it's um, people expect roses to last eight or 10 days in a vase. And, you know, you can find a greenhouse rose that will last that long, but Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think it's possible for a garden rose to last more than, you know, five days, three to five days is probably average. If you get seven, we're really doing something right. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, I think it, we don't expect our, our bottle of wine to last five days. We, we don't expect um, our dinner to last five days. I don't know why we expect our flowers to last. I think yeah. it's, um, I think, I think we have to sort of rethink some of these things and appreciate the rose in all its forms, even when it starts to drop its petals. Um, they still are beautiful. Yes. I'm I'm looking at some right now and and the petals are dropping. It's from um it's from Therese Bounier, a rugosa, who is also a, a little different than some of the rugosas. She's more thin petaled too. And they're dropping and it has a little potpourri on the table. So it's beautiful. Isn't it fun? I mean it is fun. And it, I think even at, at a dinner table as the roses start dropping their petals. And again with arrangements, I think you can reach into an arrangement. And if it bothers you, you can, you know, take fingernail scissors and cut out the offending bloom. You don't have to throw the whole thing away. Um, but, but, or you can just let it sort of naturally, you know, live its life. And um, I, I just, I feel like, I, I, I'm, a, I, I think I am a crazy person. I like roses no matter what. I mean, um, yesterday. Christian was saying that this rose wasn't going to make the cut because it set hips too early. And I was like, what's wrong with that? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. It's just some people don't like that. And I was like, why? I mean, I think the hips are so beautiful. But yeah, they look at all these different things about these plants that might or he another one had, um, um, you, you know, Grand Dame. Do you grow Grand Dame? No, I did have her many years ago, but I do not have her now. So she has that very um, graceful arching um, mm -hmm. neck. I mean, yes. she doesn't hold her head. It's a beautiful rose, yes. but it's, you know, they do tend to kind of um, bend. And this rose was the most beautiful rose. It, it, it grew with the huge blooms, darker than Grand Dame, sort of really dark berry color. And it, it, but she, and lots of rose, lots of blooms on the stem, but she kind of um, didn't hold her neck up and, and and he goes that's not gonna make the cut because of, and I was like well but why I mean it's so beautiful it's just it's you know I think it's interesting what I guess what people are looking for and what mm -hmm. what what we're striving for but but if it makes all of those if if it passes all these tests you can imagine what a great rose it's going to be I know they're they're putting it through the paces and we appreciate that but I also appreciate rose hips like no other. I tell you they can be so not only fascinating but just stunning and Aren't so they? so yeah. yeah. It's it, if I if I deadhead my rugosas they're going to keep blooming and give me those wonderful blooms but I get excited to see those big cherry hips too. They're just wonderful. Well, they so. are. I mean, it's just, it's part of the whole, uh, it's part of the whole adventure of the rose. He also, he mentioned one called sweet hips. And he said the, the, that one produces hips that you can eat, that they're just so, they're, they're delicious. And I was like, well, I'm not sure about that, but, but the, um, apparently I guess hips are, are used in cooking. So Absolutely. Um, rose hip tea, jams, jellies. Um, on a trip to Turkey um, a few years ago, we um, so many roses in that region of the country of the world. And um, what we realized is that rose is a is a flavoring we think of it as a fragrance and so it's like you're eating perfume it's just kind of a head game but it's what we're used to but rose is very much a flavoring in that part of the country and um so rose hip tea and rose jams and jellies and rose flavored ice cream and all of that yes is very um and i've seen in a trial uh, sweet hips and it is a beautiful ragosa very that, yeah very beautiful yeah, I was, I'm curious because I you know I do love using hips and arrangements I think they're gorgeous um, so I would have no problem with the rose setting hips and obviously if you keep cutting them off you're going to get flowers um, mm -hmm. but I think the goal and I think it's a noble goal to make sure that you know, you don't have to care for these roses that they just, I mean, the Julia child is a perfect example of the rose that they are trying to, um, 
you know, promote it. It grows for everyone. It blooms like crazy. You don't Mm -hmm. have to touch that rose and it just does, you know, amazingly well. I, we don't have to contend with black spot like you do. Um, Yeah, I know. But that was that, that, that came up a million times yesterday, just how, how important it was to make sure these plants don't, aren't susceptible to black spot. Um, oh, it's, it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem in this area. And um, you mentioned um, Julia, and you've mentioned another one of Tom's roses. And But if they're bulletproof here, they're bulletproof. And another one of Tom's that is pretty much bulletproof here as far as disease um, is easy on the eyes. Do you grow that one? It's I fragrant. Don't. It's, take a look at it. It's absolutely stunning. It is an open bloom. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know how many petals. I can't think, but it, it would be an open bloom. And um, I think you would really like it. Um, I haven't thought of it as far as just the arrangement side of it, but it is beautiful in the garden. It is just pretty much bulletproof for everything. No black spot, has fragrance. So Tom has given us a lot of beauties. Yes, hasn't he? I know. I, I mean, it's really remarkable how many roses that he's he's responsible for that are just amazing what uh, back in this oh maybe it was january i asked tom to to do a zoom meeting for our rose society and i said i want you to tell your story i want you to start the beginning and just bring us through and he did it was the best Oh my goodness. It, he did such a good job and you know, he's so funny and, and he's just done so much. So it was just a rose education just yeah. to walk through, you know, he fell in love with roses as a child too. And um, yeah, it, it was an absolutely fabulous program. And I think he's done it for others since then. So he's, he's really amazing. And apparently I have not been down to the Huntington recently but apparently the garden just looks phenomenal i was there just as he was coming on board and so i've not seen the changes that he made you know the whole garden itself is just mind-boggling beautiful but i know he's just made some wonderful changes the pictures are just outstanding so it's definitely i want to get there again amazing well danielle tell our friends how they can find your book well, um, you know, it's available at most booksellers. Um, it, it, you, Amazon is probably the easiest. Um, they can also order it on my website and they can get a signed copy that way. I was telling you earlier, we it was just featured on CBS Sunday morning uh, three or four days ago. And it, I'm, I mean, I was just shocked at how many people reached out and said they saw the program and saw the book. And I, I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Um, but we, we've seen a huge uptick in, up to number one in several categories on Amazon. No, I was just, I was shocked, absolutely shocked. Um, but it was on Martha Stewart's, um, she, did a little segment on planting a rose garden for CBS Sunday morning. It's just a little three minute piece, but she shows people, you know, how to plant a rose and, and talks about the various types. And, and then she showed the book and, and really great. So, and I think on that particular program, if you look at the extra information on it, they mentioned all the stores that had the book and it's, you know, Barnes and Noble and, all, you know, the, 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 the usual culprits, but also most independent bookstores have them as well. So hopefully it's not hard to find. A couple of weeks ago, she invited me to come back and help her with her rose garden. And this is how <coughs> things started. Um, she actually wrote a little blurb for the book, uh, which was so nice. And um, we've, I've, I've sent her some flowers and she loved them and she had a very very particular it was really fun to help her because she knows exactly what she likes and what she wants so the color scheme in her garden no red no purple no orange (laughs) very little yellow and she didn't want a lot of white we we did sort of some creams apricots all shades of pink peaches and that was about it. And it is so beautiful. It oh, I really, bet it is. 
came out beautifully. She, she, we planted 200 plants. We sent them. Um, <coughs> I got them from my local grower here, who's Otto and Sons, mm-hmm. and they picked out the most beautiful plants and then we shipped them back to her and then I flew back there with um, 400 cut roses which we hydrated and then did the first portion of the of the segment uh, is ranging flowers and then we uh, showed people you know the various types that we picked we picked a floribunda a hybrid tea, a shrub, and then a very fragrant variety. And then the fifth one we did was a a new introduction. And so those were the five that we sort of showed people um, that were featured in the garden. And then we actually planted the rose garden, which it was, it was a blast. We had so much fun. So that's going to be on Martha Gardens, which is her Roku station, um, and it'll be on sort of early June. She saw the preview this week, and I think it's a go. So I think it's okay for me to say that it's coming up. And Wonderful. That is definitely fun. something for us to look forward to. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And we know, as you know, there's a million different ways to grow and care for roses. There's probably as many ways that as you, you know, as, as there are gardeners that grow them. And I've always said, it doesn't matter how you do it. I mean, if you follow a few simple instructions, I, I found it frustrating to read that there were various ways to dig a hole. Um, I mean, every book (laughs) that you read tells you a different way to dig a hole. Uh, but anyway, she used our instructions, which are pretty simplistic. Uh, we just dig a hole, we add fertilizer and bone meal and keep the graft above the ground. And, and that's about it. Uh, and then we use a nice, we do use a nice planting soil and we use a, a wonderful compost as a top coat. She doesn't do any irrigation to speak of. Um, she hand waters or overhead waters everything. Now that's, that's, here in California, we have to be very cognizant of our water. So that would never fly here. But um, so we didn't worry about that. But it's a beautiful garden. She trimmed it in her hand-grown boxwoods, which she's incredibly proud of. She's grown these boxwoods from tiny little slips, and they're beautiful. So she started with this beautiful boxwood-lined garden, and then the 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 garden itself the rose garden itself is very formal it's you know it's it's really pretty and we we you know we designed it so that the colors kind of blend together and the height you know the the heights kind of are all similar with the taller ones in certain areas but anyway it was nerve-wracking I must say (laughs) but also one of the most fun things I've ever done ever oh it sounds just Perfect. Yeah, it was really fun. And she is, she is the consummate teacher. She is really a wonderful teacher. She, she not only teaches, you know, facts and how you do it, but her, the motion for what she feels about whatever she's doing comes through in her voice and the way she teaches. And I think that's why she's, you know, she's such an incredible icon legend. She really is amazing. Well, everything that she did, you know, back in the day when I was learning, I mean, she had a book on roses that I, you know, I read it over and over and just drooled over the pictures. And, you know, and even though it was beautiful, it was real, too. She made it a real experience. And uh, I really appreciated that. And so we all just, you know, um, have been there with Martha for the whole thing. So many of us, you know, and so glad that she's still planting rose gardens, let me tell you. She is. And she, you know, her show, her gardening show is phenomenal. It's up for an Emmy, um, which is great. I mean, uh, really amazing. It's just been, it's brand new. It's, I think it started at the beginning of this year. And she also does a Martha Cooks um, on the same Roku station. Um, and I know she's working on a new book. And I mean, she just doesn't ever stop. It's go, go, go. I mean, I'm flying here for the day and I'm doing, I mean, it is just, it's phenomenal. (laughs) And then, you know, and then, you know, her, her latest amazing uh, accomplishment is her uh, sports illustrated cover. (laughs) I'm 81 years old and she looks like a million bucks. So I mean, listen, just, 
also just sort of uh, making sure that we all know that just about anything is possible. Um, well, that was really fun to see and just glad that she's, you know, you know, still doing what she has always done so well. You know, the whole idea of stopping, you know, I, I just don't really feel like the need to ever want to stop gardening, especially. It just feeds my very spirit and soul and it keeps us fit and out in, in nature. And so just something that I definitely don't want to retire from. I know you, I don't think, I mean, it's something that we all can do. And, and I think it's, well, it like cooking. And I think they go hand in hand. They really do go hand in hand. Um, it's something that you can, you can do it uh, in a small way, or you can do it in a big way. You can mm-hmm. do it in a simple way. You can do it in a complex way. It's um, there's, you can just get as involved as you want or, or stay as, as um, distant as you want, and you still can enjoy every single second of being in that garden, uh, which is, I mean, why we all love it so much. Um, I mean, they're just so incredibly magical. I mean, they're magical. I don't think there's a flower in the world that gives us as much, you know, as a rose in terms of color and fragrance and you know, the, the season of the blooms. I mean, we get more than you guys do, but, but, but we all, I mean, I bet your roses grow for a longer period of time than any other flower in your garden. Absolutely. You know, we get peonies for a couple of weeks. We get irises for a couple of weeks. We get lilacs for three weeks and, and the best perennials for maybe six weeks, but these roses are blooming, you know, June to October. I mean, they're just going strong. So Yep. So you just get a bang for your buck for sure. Yeah, you do. You do. And, 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 you know, there's so many to choose from. There's just, um, you know, trying to pick just 300 for the book was almost impossible. <laughs> it was really, really a challenge considering, you know, and I've never been focused on um, old roses and that's a whole different, that's a whole different uh, department. Oh, they're beautiful. I mean, they they come to you with with um, their own history, oftentimes, and and legends and stories that will just fascinate you. And you just, you know, when you walk, when I walk through the old rose garden here, I mean, it's people I call by name, you know, um, because I know their story, even if it's from the person who gave it to me, because, you know, people pass around old uh, garden roses um, pretty frequently in in our circles, but. Yes, and found roses, and there's just a lot of history and story there, and and it is a very uh, special um, area of roses for sure. Oh, it is. It's just, and it's it's like I haven't even brushed the surface of that, and that's that the whole history and the those roses. I did include a few old roses only in that because people. Ten, I mean, you know, Lady Banksia and Cecile mm-hmm. Bruner and Sombroy, those three, I think those are the three that I can think of that, you know, that are pretty common and mm-hmm. that they're easy to find and that people, they're somewhat repeat bloomers. I mean, not Lady Banksia, but we actually, well, actually, we can get two blooms out of her in California if we're mm-hmm. lucky, but just those were the only three. And I ha- I felt like I had to include them because they're just so... Um, they're just they're, again they're bulletproof they're easy to find they're easy to grow they 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 do so much for your garden those those yes, three particular do. roses but yes, other than that trying to pick the 300 modern roses my gosh it could have <laughs> I mean it, it was really hard I don't even know how you even began I don't even know how you got started maybe just with your favorites but but that's that's tough it was, it was really tough. And, you know, to this day, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot that one. And I, oh, oh, what about that one? And so, and, you know, then thinking about doing volume two, I was like, no, I just, I can't. It was really, it was, it was a labor of love. I'll tell you, just making sure that each one of those blooms was cut at the right moment and then you know and turn to the right sort of angle and making sure that you know and then uh, my the photographer is a very dear friend Vicki Pearson um and we've worked together for years but she is 
as nitpicky as I am. And the two of us would look at, look through the lens and say, okay, well, you know, maybe if we just turned it a little bit more (laughs) times 300, we're going to make sure that each rose was shown to its best, you know, to its best. Well, I wanted to make sure, like, for instance, you know, some of them, I think it feels like you can jump into them because the centers are so gorgeous and mm-hmm. and beautiful. And then others, I like the stem so much. I love the whole rose sitting on the stem. And so I wanted to, the whole flower to, to you know, to be uh, uh, shown. So anyway, that was, it was, yeah, thinking about somebody said, are you going to do another, another um volume and I was like no I can't <laughs> I think about it. it it just I mean it was a three-year project it was great probably like giving birth you have to uh, yeah. have a little time in between you make that decision yeah uh, yeah oh you know somebody said um said to me that um it was an interesting thing she said that um Jewish faith faith that um they that one of the accomplished you, you there are three things that they strive for in their in their life and one is to visit their homeland and the other is to have a child and the third is to write a book and I don't remember what order and I I hope I'm I hope I remembered that correctly but I thought what an interesting um uh, what an interesting thing to say to that birthing a child writing a book and visiting their homeland visiting you know um would be I just think that's fascinating Mm-hmm. To, to well, have- the book especially could be about your story and just passing on you know what you've learned you know it could be many things or something that was right. important to you exactly. or your life's work so yes exactly so yeah so that was fun I think my my agent um passed that um that little nugget along to me and I was like wow that just makes so much sense because it was it was a huge um I mean I just never thought I could do it I think that was really the whole issue was I've been wanting to do it for so many years, but I just never thought I could, I could physically do it, that I would well, have discipline. you did. Now, I, before I let you go, I have to go back to the f- early farming days. I'm so curious as to which of the five roses made it. Oh, okay. So it's Martine Pio, which is a very hard to find. We don't have, I mean, it's not available in commerce right now, but I'm hoping to be able to take care of that so that people oh, can, that rose, I'm telling you, we dug those. I mean, so I started with 200. It's now I've, I've dug those up and split them and dug them up and split them like four different times. They're all, I mean, they're just, it's so healthy. You cannot believe that rose. Every year it gets better. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Say the name again. I didn't catch uh, it. It's Martine Guillaume. And it's kind of a creamy white rose. It, Mm. um, it's the last to bloom in the spring. It's, it's still not blooming here. And what is the date today? May, May 24th, I think Mm. it's still not blooming. And it is the last to bloom in the fall. So it's the last to bloom in the spring. And it's one of the last, I can keep it going through Valentine's day. So it's a very, it's a remarkable rose. Now, um, (laughs) I'm telling you it, that was, and I own, you know what, that's, that's, I also still grow fair Bianca. Those two Mm -hmm. made it out of the five. That is a beauty. And that that's a David Austin. It's been around a long time. Yes. And also impossible to get. And, but the thing about fair Bianca that is so remarkable, it has no, um, it has no, it's a pure white rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, his tranquility has um, a yellow tone to it. And his Winchester has a blush tone to it. Mm-hmm. Those are both lovely, lovely white you know, fully petaled roses for the wedding trade. But if somebody says, I don't want yellow, you cannot use tranquility. And if somebody says, I can't stand pink, you can't use Winchester. <laughs> so then you're stuck with, with Fair Bianca, which is very, very, very hard. It's a hard plant to grow. I mean, we replace probably 500 of those every year. Oh it's really goodness. hard to grow. Oh it my goodness. Dry back. It's it's just I would never put that plant in someone else's garden, but as a cut flower, I don't think there's anything better. I just don't. 
Now, did I read that you also sell some of your rose plants, not just your cut flowers? We do. We do. Um, it's, it's hard. You know, I have some clients that beg us to ship them. Well, we actually, we ship 200 to Martha um, in FedEx <laughs> overnight uh, in, in these large boxes. So um, we do do it, but it's really costly to do it. Um, it, because they weigh a lot and the boxes are huge. But for people who, if you cannot find a rose and we have it, it for some people it's worth it. They, I mean, so I have I have multiple clients on the East Coast in the Midwest that buy roses from us and we ship to them. It's just when they hear the price of the of the actual shipping, they faint. But you know, in a sense. You're buying the rose for the long term, so yeah. for some people it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. And you know, if it's if it's not available bare root from some of the companies, it's probably the only way you can get it. That's so true. It is getting harder to find things. I had an experience the other day. It was my first. <clears throat> I was looking for a particular rose, Crown Princess um, Margareta. It came up when I was searching it. It came up that it was available through Amazon. So what? I went to Amazon and I said, okay. And since it was prime, delivery was not a, an issue, but it was shipped from Heirloom Roses and it said that. Then later I was actually with um, Heirloom Roses uh, at a conference and I asked Rob and I said, I felt so guilty. I bought a rose on Amazon, <laughs> but I said, I think it was shipped from you. And she said, oh, that's our store. You know, we, we ship through Amazon. So it was an attachment. I thought, oh my goodness, you know, if I've done this and it's, you know, where's it coming from or whatever. Well, that's, and that's shipping. free shipping. It was free shipping. So I don't know if you can find it, if someone's doing that, but you know, I didn't go to Amazon to look, but as I was searching for it, it came up that it was available on Amazon and I had already checked heirloom. This is how quick it was. They hadn't, um, changed that it was available. I mean, it, it, I caught it because I was looking like every day. I caught it just, I mean, now if you went there, I think it's available on their site again. But I had just gone there and it, the day before and it wasn't. But then all of a sudden when it became available, Amazon had it too. Oh so. my gosh. And it was a plant, not bare root. It came in a pot. Yeah, it was a, a pot. pot. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. That's great. And then it and so and free shipping. So it just came from them. Yeah. yeah so incredible. things are there's new and different things all the time. And I know we have some growers like Matt at High Country Roses. He's trying to bring, you know, get some of these hard to find roses back and he sells them in little, you know, small containers uh, on their own route and uh, for for our climate, that's really good. And then you get a small but mighty rose. And he's he's um, being able to get a hold of some things that, you know, we've been struggling to find. So I really appreciate all of you that are trying to get some of these beauties back in commerce. Yeah, my, my grower just told me he has 1,500 starts for me to pick out um, what I want to uh, try to bring back. So I, have, oh. I get to choose 1,500 well, I'm not, I mean, it'll be like two or 300 of each, but, um, but yeah, so we're going to try to get some of these older, you know, I'm going to try to do Mojave and Sutter's Gold. Those are two oh, of yeah. my absolute favorite and, you know, Lemon Spice. That's another great one. Uh, Garden Party. I mean, these are, I mean, there are some old American roses that are just incredible that yeah. you just cannot find anymore. Um now, wasn't it the picture? Isn't there a picture of you as a little girl? Aren't you sniffing Sutter's Gold? Yeah, Sutter's Gold. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I have like two plants left. Oh. Uh, we started with 50, I think, of that and 50 Mojave. And, you know, and oh, Condesa de Sestago. Do you know that rose? No, I don't. Oh, that's an old Spanish rose that is just knock your socks off. And I don't think I have any more of it, but I'm dying to find that. So some of these roses, um, and if we, if we, they, they, it's not easy, but in, you know, we can try. So I'm hoping to bring in some of the French roses that are not available anymore. And then some of these old English roses that we, and not old, the old American roses that, that I started with. And hopefully, you know, in the next couple of years, but we uh, sell these, our pots are all five gallon and, you know, they're grown by oh, auto. Yeah. So, so auto 
grows them out for us and then we'll ship them. So that's not going anywhere very easily. Yeah, no, it's a process. Um, And yeah. (laughs) Well, Danielle, our time is coming to a close. We could just talk all day. Forever about roses. I know. Thanks so much for joining me today and taking the time to write this beautiful and very helpful book. I'm just, I love it. I know that um, our listeners are going to love it. It really is the ultimate guide, as you say in the book, for selecting the perfect color rose for your garden, special event, or floral arrangement. So you covered it all for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope, I do hope it's, um, I hope it gets dog-eared in your hands and that it's covered in dirt and that you you know I I really do I hope it's used as a guide as a you know when you go to the nursery or go out in the garden I just want to see that book really sort of used well mine will definitely be so thank you again for joining me today thank you thank you so much Teresa it's been fun. And friends, thanks for joining us today. And on our next next episode, I'll be chatting with Robin Jennings of Heirloom Roses. We'll catch up with her and see what's going on at Heirloom. And until next time, have fun in your garden. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.